Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 170. This interview is with Johnny Campbell, founder and CEO of Social Talent, a fast-growing agency based in Dublin that provides specialized training for HR personnel. Johnny was the masterful MC of the HR Tech World Conference in Paris that was just happening last week. He's a connected man who walks the talk. And in this conversation, we discuss the challenges for HR teams today, some of Johnny's top tips for recruiting talent online, some of the keys to success in online training, and the power of social media to drive his company's business. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue today at HR Tech World, and I have the pleasure to have the MC of the event. So, Jonathan Campbell, tell us who you are and what you do, and what's your mindset these days? Uh, hi, Minter. So, my name is Johnny Campbell, first of all. Jonathan Reserve, my mother and my wife when I'm in trouble. Otherwise, I'm Johnny. Um, so, I'm the founder of a company called Social Talent. Um, I've been in this business about five years. I've been recruiting since 98, so coming up on 17 years now. Very passionate about recruiting industry. Love it. Live and breathe it. We set up a company five years ago off the back of a first company we'd set up, a recruiting agency. And we set it up in July 2008, uh, really bad time to set up a business. But we, through that really bad time, 08, 09, we had to innovate to survive. And that innovation led us to realize there was a gap in the market for learning around best practice recruiting in this changed world with social and online. And that's where we are today with social talent. All right. So tell us a little bit about your offering. How do you, what do you sell to companies? So we sell performance. Uh, fundamentally, uh, performance is the objective of all of our clients. Learning is typically what people classify as in terms of a learning tool or a learning product for the for the recruiting industry. Um, to us, learning is a means to an end. It's the performance you get from valued learning that actually companies are interested in investing in. And also employees are interested in the benefit of learning to them, development, etc. So performance is a big part of that. So how do we drive behaviors that correlate with high performance through smart learning? And we do that in an online tool that's very scalable and it works very well for large, complex companies, whether they're recruiting agencies or direct hiring companies, use our tools to solve complexity um, in their organizations, their recruiting organizations, by having a standardized curriculum and training approach and view of that across the world. So companies like Intel, Microsoft, Oracle would use that. They deploy that across the world to train their recruiting team on best practice use of internet tools, online tools, to source, to attract, and engage with talent. All right, so in terms of what you sell, you sell performance, but in, in terms of materially, that comes out as a software how much of that is and learning how much of that is online and how much do you do how much do you have to do with coaching and and doing in in real life in accompanying the installation of the software so our tool is an online license saas based license for learning library that updates every 2 weeks that's personalized and bespoke to each user's needs so you would basically log in and you've got a set of videos, typically 16 hours of training that rotates and changes as 
the market and the technology develops that teaches you in bite-sized chunks, three-minute micro videos that basically teach you a learning point at a time and build up your competency over time as you basically interact with the platform. But we've also built, rather than just a linear process, which is what most learning is, we've built a behavioral learning tool that within your browser can respond to how you work. So literally, as you launch different websites and recruit from different places, we'll suggest training videos or new ideas and new ways to recruit and give you the reasons why we're suggesting that, i.e. that this works better for most recruiters, this drives better performance. So it's, it's behavioral driven. Your behavior drives the learning that's recommended to you in real time. That's how we've tried to evolve the product. Right, so give us an example of a, someone, an HR professional who's looking for a specific type of role. What, how does your software embed into their lives? So first of all, if the organization's kind of launched successfully, a good project's really important to this, the human touch of getting people interested. You know, learning is about um, having the desire, first of all, to want to learn, so that ignition type. So when we set up a project, we try and make sure that the ignition is there in an organization. For example, one of our our clients who'd launched this week with us, um, they bought a set of licenses for their users and each of their staff members had to apply for one of those licenses and present a business case. And that creates the demand. It makes sure that the people who get the license actually want it. Yeah, nothing's for free. Well, no, nothing's for free, um, but it's also a case of if I have asked for it, um, I will most, most likely That's use it. it. If I'm given it and told to use it, it's really random. Right. So that mission is really important. The second part is in the learning. It's got to be the right learning. It's got to be a style that people like, so short videos. We started with 15-minute videos years ago. We've got it down to three minutes. Who knows? We could be 60 seconds in a couple of years. It has to be bite-sized. It has to be actionable. It has to be super relevant. The third part is we, you know, you could go through our training program. You could watch all the content. You could qualify as a black belt in internet recruitment. But there's a big onus on the manager then to take that to the next step. And the next two steps are critical in actually driving that behavior. And they are the recognition and the encouragement of new behaviors, not outcomes. Most people are happy to reward outcomes. You went on training, you have a better output, well done. That's easy. But the harder thing to stop and remember to recognize is the new habits someone's developing. They haven't yet led to better outcomes, but they are the habits you expect. So somebody using new tools, trying new initiatives, that needs to be recognized in a very public way in an organization, celebrated amongst a team. And then you need to give people the opportunity to deep practice. And those two last elements are core, the recognition of the effort and the deep practice. So when an organization works with us, we try to get them involved at all of those stages. We build tools for the managers so they can see in real time how their staff are engaging with the tool, how their behaviors are changing. And we give them the opportunity to reward that through the tool so they can give instant feedback. Literally smiley faces that appear in the dashboard of a user as they um, act in the way that they're now expected to or they're doing the right things, we want to give a really, really tight and quick feedback loop because that's what drives the right behaviors in anything, but particularly around our learning outcomes because the knowledge is not enough. I can sit here and tell you the best way of doing something. You might nod your head and go, okay, that's great. Will you actually take that in, change the way you behave and work and then drive that better outcome because that's what people actually care about. When I listen to you, John, Johnny, I don't want to scold you, um, I have to imagine that you are bringing a disruptive thought to the way pedagogy online is being engineered within a company. So this is specific to the HR community, but the way you're creating learning for them actually is relevant for everything they're doing internally. Tell us how that works through for you. 
Very much so. We started with recruiting because that's my background. Um, my co-founder, Vincent's background, we work in recruiting. We know the audience. We have authority. And we could actually, or we, we built authority by, by giving free advice away. Um, and so that was our audience. And that's where we felt we could sell to first. And that domain knowledge is what we started with. But I believe the approach we're taking to learning could be applied to any role that involves some sort of computing input an accountant, a salesperson, anyone who uses a computer to do their job, somehow you could basically apply this. And we've, we've begun to trial this, particularly in sales. It's probably the most applicable. Mm-hmm. How do we drive the right behaviors in sales? And sales and recruiting are very, very correlated. Um, we just use different words to describe the exact same behaviors. Right. Lead generation is sourcing, um, marketing to get your advertisements, sure. your inbound applications. It's very, very applicable. Um, I, you know, to me, it's, I, 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 I obsess in behavioral economics, how you basically create incentive or put incentive in place to drive behaviors and how we're all influenced that way and the you know to me it's the root of all technology the root of social how you get engagement how you get engagement in the product is the same as how you get engagement via marketing and it goes back to principles that have been around in psychology for 20 30 years but we all think we're reinventing the wheel we're not you talk about um giving away content which is part of your strategy give us a little bit more of an insight on how you're using social and content to help drive your business johnny so five years ago, we set up as a training business, uh, a business that would give learning uh, to organizations in person, but also online. And the first thing we did was create weekly Wednesday webinars, 30 minutes each, where we, for free, gave away our very best content. And at the time, most people thought we were quite insane. Sure. Um, our product was the learning we were sitting on YouTube giving away for free. Um, and that seems to be counterintuitive. But we built trust in an audience and we were able to reach a much greater audience as a tiny startup with no money um, because we didn't ask for anything in return. And that's key to content marketing. Um, it's not quite altruistic because you're not giving it away with no expectation. Um, you just don't need people to buy off you. So I think about 95% of the people we reach through our blog, through our webinars, through our videos on YouTube, uh, they'll never buy off us. And that's okay. Um, they will recommend our product and our knowledge and our offering if they ever have the opportunity to anyone who does have a budget, who does want to have that scale learning across an organization. And to me, that's much more valuable than you know, gating the content and making everyone pay for it. Mm-hmm. We've, began, we've been able to punch well above our weight because we had took that, that free approach that we'll solve everyone else's problems before we'd ever ask if they would be interested in buying something off us. And there isn't a catch. You can continue to absorb our content and not pay. And that's what works in content marketing. Mm. What about social? How have you used social media, I mean, to, I'd say, accompany or surround that content you're giving away? So social media has been critical to our success from day one. Uh, we drive a huge amount of inbound leads via our activity on social. And it's not paid social activity. It's natural, organic social activity. Um, we have a voice. Um, and kind of key to that, you know, anyone can use social media. You can post stuff. You can tweet stuff. You can put up articles. You mean anyone in the company? Uh, anyone in the world can use social media. Um, but as we know, it's kind of democratized that that journalistic voice, as some people say. But the key is you have to, first of all, decide what is your voice. And when I say decide, you have to recognize whatever is your own voice. And we we own our brand and we own our voice quite proudly. Not everyone agrees with us. We curse, we piss people off. Uh, We say controversial things. And we say things that go against the grain. We don't just bitch and moan about people. If somebody's a good product, we'll endorse it, even if it goes against the trend. Um, And that's been key to it. I see in other companies, you get authority and you get other people picking you up, favoriting you, retweeting you, recommending you. If you own that, um, when you try to be what your customers want you to be, which is a 
large companies will look at social, they'll use social listening tools and see what does our audience want. It's bullshit. You wouldn't use that in a person-to-person environment. I wouldn't sit here to you and say, Minter, how do you want me to talk? Will I be a nice person or not a nice person? Should I be aggressive or not? You just say, be yourself, and hopefully it's good enough. Yeah, companies need to have that approach themselves. All right, well, so that's, that's easier said when you were the boss. How do you scale that across? Because your company now has about 30-some uh, employees, and how do you allow the other people to have their voice? You know, maybe they, they disagree with you publicly. How do you manage that? So within our own organization, um, our official social media accounts are managed by a smaller number of individuals. Not everybody can jump on that. But we use, for example, WhatsApp as a form to collect ideas, photographs, images that may be shared um, and quotes. But our central marketing team actually decide what goes out there. So we have a, a, a forum for anyone's voice. And then we have the official voice that goes out there. Uh, and the key is making sure that Everyone in the business understands our values, our culture, what we stand for. Um, you know, for example, to give you um, uh, one clear policy we have on social media is if you've nothing good to say, don't say it. We don't bitch about companies. We don't like to give out about um, a company that released a bad product. If LinkedIn mess up, we'd rather just keep quiet and wait for them to do something good and write about that. Because there's no real value in giving out or saying somebody failed, although that litters the kind of blogosphere. I just don't think there's value. I think there's value in, in ideas that add value. Everything else is just crap. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. All right, so what about, um, so your product is able to be personalized for everybody and, and you have this sort of a proactive pop-up approach Give us some of the top tips you have for HR professionals and how to go about attracting the best talent. So attracting the best talent, um, if you look at the two ways you can find talent for your organization are inbound and outbound. So inbound is what we have traditionally called advertising. You post a job, someone applies, and you hopefully hire them. Outbound has become lately known as sourcing. You go to the market, somewhere like LinkedIn, you search, you find somebody, you engage with them, they've never heard of you, you don't even know if they're a job seeker, all this kind of stuff. So on a very simple basis, you're going to fill more jobs with inbound than outbound. It's more scalable, it's more cost effective, and as long as you have a good vetting process and you know what you're hiring for, quality isn't an issue. The idea that active and passive, there's a difference in quality is absolute nonsense. If you have a good screening process, that's where quality comes into it. If you have enough people who satisfy that, then you just pick the best. And you satisfy all your needs. It's fine. Inbound, although we are known as an organization that teach you particularly how to source really well, how to do the outbound fantastically, the hidden part of our course curriculum that most people don't expect to be there is our, in, is our inbound, how to attract more people. And it's a combination of thinking like a marketeer and not like a HR professional when you're writing your job ads. And I say job ads, not job specs, because we still think in a world of job specs, which is not what we should be doing. And then it's understanding that, therefore, your employer brand needs to work in tandem with those smart job ads. And then the brand of the recruiters representing you as your, if you like, field sales team, they are influential in this as well. And understanding that influence, I always point to Robert Caldini's six key six principles of influence from the early 90s and say if you want to understand how to recruit in the modern world and how to brand and market read Caldini's six principles read the wikipedia summary of that and you'll actually be getting a head start above everyone else that's core to it all right so i just wanted to break down one thought which is uh, the confusion i would have about this notion of inbound because in i would say in a hubspot world inbound marketing is anything but advertising it's really about you know presenting yourself in a con- with content marketing and then people come to you because you're giving away free content as opposed to 
30-second spots, which I would consider more the outbound approach in, in a HubSpot type of terminology. But um, when uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with getting talent, what are the, some of the challenges of getting the top talent for HR? How do you, how do you, can you use online to get top talent, or, or do you still need to, to use your term, be, be more outbound in the way you get them? So again, it depends on what you define as top talent. Um, top talent is a higher bar. Um, and as long as you get the candidates that satisfy the higher bar, that's your vetting process, you have enough top talent. So I use marketing concepts like funnels. Like if you have enough top talent coming in the top of the funnel, you'll always come at the bottom of the funnel with the right hires, the right talent. Saying we need to go and source because you won't get top talent applying to your jobs, for example, is nonsense. Um, but what is true is top talent won't apply to a generic job ad. When you create very clever, insightful um, job advertisements, top talent will engage with that. When I say engage, it doesn't mean apply. And this is back to more of a HubSpot kind of mentality of inbound. Um, it's moving away from the idea that someone needs to see, send you a resume or CV. It's, again, they need to engage with you. The, the technology is there, about, is, is there to help you find, identify, target, influence people. Fundamentally, to convert the sale, if you like, um, the, the, the hire of top talent. That's about great negotiation, great influence, building relationships. It's the one-on-one stuff that digital isn't going to help you with right now. It may give you some ammunition, some information. It might give you the right data to start a conversation to make sure you're well-informed. But the idea is if you can attract that top talent through smarter job advertising and through better content to bring people into your platform, call it your career portal or whatever, to then eventually find those job ads. Um, You know, top talent isn't about will be found if they're passive or not. Top talent is a mindset that says, I need to be impressed. And to me, top talent is walking into the bar and you want to basically shout up the hottest girl in the bar. You have to, you have, you have to bring your yeah, A-game. Desire. Yeah, you've got to bring your A-game to, to attract top talent. And you've got to understand, first of all, can I play in the A-league? Mm-hmm. Are we a company, an organization mm-hmm. that actually can play in that league? Because you can't have you know, the guy who's never boxed above D-League, trying to go for A-League straight away, you've got to go, we're going to work our way up to the C-League, then to the B, then to the A, but top in your sphere, and then say, what do we need to be as an organization to attract, attract A-player talent? You won't always get there. It's being realistic with your expectations as well. All right, well, so I, that opens up another sphere, which is things like Glassdoor. How do you, do you, do you work with Glassdoor in your software, and to what extent... Is the brand important when you're attracting talent? Do you drink Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Okay. So, uh, Coke and Pepsi. Actually, I drink neither because they're soft drinks and they're loaded with too much sugar and I, don't, I want either of them in my household. So, a friend of mine, Dave Hazelhurst, Google Dave on Twitter, um, he uh, last week was telling a story about neuroscience um, uh, around Pepsi and Coke and uh, basically uh, MRI scans of the brain when you consume Pepsi or Coke without, um, without knowing what it is. And the same exact parts of the brain are aroused with drinking Pepsi or Coke. When you tell someone it's Pepsi, tell someone it's Coke, then they drink it, completely different parts of the brain light up. Brand matters. The taste 
most of us would say is what we're really drinking. I like Coke more. It's absolute nonsense. It's the brand of what Coke stands for, the red Santa Claus, the big trucks, the jingle at Christmas. Enjoy, Enjoy all the stuff over the years, the personalization of their cans that Pepsi just never really quite did as well. Mm. Brand matters ma- massively. and You cannot be a consumer of products and then come to work and think that employer brand has no value, that the brand on Glassdoor, the brand word to, you know, um, uh, kind of more uh, word of mouth brand even if you're not in a technology kind of area doesn't matter of course it does people look to their peer group to see um, you know should I work in this organization do you know them locally you would do this even if you don't have an online company or any sort of digital product it's does your local community think you're the good employer do you look after your staff is it a nice environment is it fair pay etc these are things that are just known in a local community for a local company online it's just scaled into all these different apps with recommendations and numbers and stats beside them as well so companies need to be extremely aware of this and how they can influence this but they, the HR departments are looking to attract this talent and don't forget it's not just attraction it's also retain the ones you have sure. nobody wants to be working for a c-league team when you think you're an a-league a player so you have to make sure that your employer brand is really selling itself to the best of it that it can to attract the best talent but also keep your best talent from leaving elsewhere and that's back to 101 marketing hate your needs to kind of grow up and learn how to be a great marketeer and knowing how to market what you're marketing they're the skills I think they're going to transform HR departments in the next couple of years well I mean the issue with a glass door is that you can't do uh, an ad like you're saying before if it's not coherent and congruent with what you're actually providing within of course not you can't say Pepsi tastes amazing and you buy a can and it tastes like poison of course not um and this is where employer branding kind of comes from in terms of culture branding as well. A friend of mine, Bill Borman, likes to talk more about culture branding. And culture is um, how we act in an organization. Uh, I guess employer branding traditionally and EVP has been how the top-level organization wants our, wants our organization to be perceived. Again, you need to go back and understand what is your culture and then sell that. Um, and if you're not 100% happy with it, you need to work on that. Drive your employee engagement, fix those issues. They're difficult things to fix. And they take years to work on. There's long-term value in doing that. It's like going back to the, to the table and reinventing your recipe for Coke or Pepsi. You've got to put that effort in. So I think employer branding, successful employer branding, is being proud of what is good in your organization. Back to the personalization, back to owning, from our point of view, our brand and what, what it stands for not from our customers they don't have to love everything about us what we do is we wear it and we wear it with pride and most people respect that and they pick the things they do love about us and they go with that uh, and they kind of ignore the other parts like you would with that, yeah. that crazy sibling who you love anyway but you know he's a bit mad but I love his good qualities in the same way an employer that doesn't have all great qualities needs to own the ones that are strong figure out you know our employees stay here like we do have employees they have stayed they haven't all left why did you stay and then pick on that and build from that and own that that's what you need to brand because it's authentic it's true you can you can sell to that and when people turn up and interview with you and they review on Glassdoor you're at least owning it and that is so important that it does ring true social talents available online Small companies, SMBs, is there, how does it break down? Does it just because by licenses it works small companies? What's the smallest type of company that benefits from social talent? We have tons of independent recruiters who just buy a license for themselves, train themselves, make them better, make more profit out of it. Uh, we've lots of mid-tier companies, and we've lots of 
large enterprise companies. Um, for the large enterprises, we get they get value out of the scalability. Um, they get value out of the fact that you can standardize, you can see what their team is doing, and you can get great analytics on your team and how they're performing. For the one-person organization, they get at a really good price. They get a fantastic curriculum that normally massive companies could only afford to bring in great trainers and great speakers. We've maybe 12 different speakers on the platform who bring the best knowledge in the world. So for a fraction of the cost of attending those events or buying those training, you get the best digested and constantly updated for you. So really, it's a one for all. We built a product that would change the world of recruitment, that can give the knowledge and the ideas into any recruiter's desktop. And if you can't afford it, you can watch our YouTube channels for free. You seem like someone, Johnny, who would have someone who inspires them or be mentoring for you in your life. Who, who are the people that you look up to and, and refer to in, in developing your life and your business? Wow, you put me on the spot now. Yeah, of course I have. <laughs> um, so one of, one of my, obviously, it's, it's, it's uh, one of the classic ones is Richard Branson, who will be speaking this afternoon. Uh, I think, you know, he, he owns his brand. He puts himself out there. Um, he brings his personal life into play as much as possible. Well, it's one of the things I love, Johnny, about what you said this morning. Bring your personal story. Because at the end of the day in business and in France in particular where we are, professional and personal aren't supposed to mix. And I think that bringing that personal element is great. So I love that idea. It's, 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 it's super important. Like you, I, I meet, meet a, last year at HR Tech, my wife was heavily pregnant with twins and it was my last flight for four months. And I went home and a month later we had our boys, two boys, Jake and Archie, um, our youngest. And since then, I, I connect with everyone who wants to connect with me on Facebook. Please find me, facebook.com forward slash Johnny Campbell with a H. Um, because if you want to consume my life, work away. You know, I don't really hold back. But when I go to an event like this, most people come up to me. They don't say, Johnny, has the business? How's social talent? What are your thoughts on recruitment? They go, how are the boys? And, and, and that's, that's human-to-human contact. It's a much more interesting conversation for them and for me. I think the big step you need to take, and if anyone can take it from here with this podcast, is to say, own your own self. You aren't separated by a work self or a personal self. A friend of mine um, years ago asked me, uh, or was asked um, uh, in front of me, whether someone should have a Facebook account for work and a Facebook account for their personal life. And the person responding said, well, absolutely. If you want, one, you can have two Facebook accounts, one for each face. And if you genuinely are the type of person who presents two faces of the world, then fine. But you're not going to be successful with social, recruiting, or running an organization. So here's to having one face. One face. All right, beautiful. Thanks, Mary Johnny. Get him back on the show. Looking forward to following you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Minter. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y. Where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it on iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of
make colors blend and look ugly in the end. But they're pretty in their own disgusting values. We'd hang our portraits in the hallways, make our house guests cringe. Oh, I wouldn't care about the The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.